Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson, and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, yeah. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami heat. Well, Kenneth, before we begin, how you doing, man? As always, glad to be with you, man. Glad to talk Miami heat ball. We're closer than ever to actual live, real, regular season Miami heat basketball. Um... I mean, it's just wonderful, man. It's just wonderful. So as always, I'm glad to be here to talk about it with you. Yeah, man. I'm glad glad to talk about it with you as well. So today, the NBA has had some some news recently. We're recording on October 18th. That's a Monday, by the way. If you had, if you didn't know, we're moving to two shows a week. That's due to mostly due to your support. So. Hopefully you keep supporting us the way you do and we keep on growing. So once again, thank you very much to our listeners. Anyway, today, October, yeah, October 18th, rookie extension deadline. A lot of reported deals coming down. First off, we got Mikel Bridges at, nine, at I would say, four years, 90 million. You know, I think the first reactions are, that's a steal. We all thought he was going to get at least 100, right? Yeah, less than a hundred. You stole it, man. Less than a hundred. I mean, it's. I don't know how you got that done. Yeah, I. I mean, if I'm Mikael, I would be messaging my agent about leaving, potentially, well, potentially not, leaving at least ten million dollars on the table, right? I would be unless you know he must have signed off on it minimally. But. Minimally, that ten million you left on the table is your cut, buddy. Glad you yeah. did it for free. So, moving on to another Suns player. I was Woj about to Rep- say, yeah, that's a great transition there. <laughs> the Adrian Wojnarowski reported three hours ago that Suns talks with DeAndre Aiden on rookie extension have ended without a deal. Aiden expected max contract and owner Robert Sarver hasn't offered it. More coming on Which is stupid on multiple fronts. <laughs> Could we see Robert Sarver blow up another Phoenix Suns title contending team just because he's cheap as hell? I didn't say surprising, JJ. I said stupid. But no, definitely, man. It's what he does. Um, Here's the thing. First of all, you get Aiden signed. That's the first thing. But secondly, when you got when you got the previous guy in, Bridges in for less than a hundred. Um, hey man, you you just you just saved some money. Hey, pay the man. Pay your young players. Listen, I don't understand. I know maybe DeAndre Aiden is not as impactful as, as say, Luke Doncic or whatever. You know, he's, he's always no going to be. He's no bad out of bio or anything like that. He's he's always going to be in that shadow of, of, pretty good but not really really impactful player like a, t- a player that transcends his circumstances. You need to have a specific environment for him to really succeed, uh, like a. Like say some quarterbacks in the NFL, like a, I would compare it to a Baker Mayfield, for example. I think that's a, that's a great comparison. A guy that, 
can't play. Nobody's saying that he can't play. But he's going to be in the shadow of, of players that were draft transcendent players that were drafted below him, like Josh Allen in the NFL, Luka Doncic in the NBA. How's that for an analogy, Kenneth? That's pretty good, man. Yeah. That's pretty good. I just came up with that. <laughs> so anyway, the Suns extended one crucial piece of their championship puzzle, but not probably the bigger piece of the two, although I wouldn't want to undermine Mikael Bridges' impact because Mikael Bridges is perfectly suited for today's game. He's the type of wing that te that teams salivate over. 30 out of 30 teams would love to have Mikael Bridges on their team. Hell, he would look great in a heat uniform, by the way. So, moving on to another rookie extension. The Milwaukee Bucks agreed to a two-year, $20 million rookie extension with Grayson Allen. So, Grayson Allen gets $10 million a year. Grayson Allen's a solid player. I don't I don't really mind with that about that. I think we'll have to discuss it a bit further with Devin Sanskas. Shout out to the Knock If You Buck podcast, part of the Hoop Pets podcast network. But to me, that seems like a solid deal. Not too, not too long. And I don't think, it, I think the salary is right there. What do you think? What do you say, Kenneth? Yeah, man, going right. He's still young enough where you see some potential there. Uh, you don't pay him like a star player. You pay him like a high level role guy. Uh, like I said, it's not too shabby for a guy like Grayson Allen who's seen himself um, go through a couple of things in the league from, you know, his little situations from perhaps, you know, being looked at as a little bit of a quote-unquote dirty guy with the way he's fouled at times or did some little wanky things. So just a going rate for a guy who's still figuring himself out completely but showing you enough where you can see him as a valuable member of your rotation. So going rate type deal. But I think it's fair for both sides. Now here's an interesting one. Again, going back to the Phoenix Suns, we kind of skipped this one over. But still, I'm going through Woj's timeline to, to address these. Phoenix Suns guard Landry Shamit has agreed to a four-year, $43 million rookie contract extension. Now that's a guy that... It, who should be thanking his agent like he should be buying that guy dinner. Landry Shamet is a fine player, but I don't know, four years for 43 million? That's a bit more than 10 million per, per year for him? I think that I'm they stole him. I think that's a steal of a deal. When you look when you look at Shamet, he gives you two two he gives you two guard, two way ability. Um and I oh, think that two he's way, a guy, I, I, I don't know. I would call it two way. I didn't he's say a, that he's a, an elite defender, but he's not a sieve on defense either. He tries like he's not a guy that you're going to throw out there and say, oh, my God, we need to commit two guys to his guy because he's going to definitely get cooked. I didn't say it was Jimmy Butler, but at the same time, it's not like he's James Harden. Hmm. I don't know. It's just maybe it's just that the perception that he has been traded so much. That listen. Think, what, what sometimes I ascribe to the to the philosophy that if this guy has been traded this much in his rookie contract, then there might be something up. You know what right. I'm saying? Or that's one side of the coin. Or the other side could be the reason he's been traded so much because every time we go to make a deal, the other side says, "Hey, I need Shaman." Maybe. It, Walsh did report that Monty Williams, the Sunset coach 
was an immense proponent of training for Shaman, and he played a significant role for him. So here's to Landry Shaman having a, you know, here's to Landry Shaman's wallet. Just got a, a whole lot bigger. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, look, man, as you mentioned with Aiden, it's sometimes it's about situations. I think in a situation where he can be the third fiddle at that guard spot to kind of like D-Book and Chris Paul right now, you're looking at a guy who can come in and play either of those positions, whether he's the man initiating offense for Booker or whether he's the man finishing jump shots off of Chris Paul assist, then you're looking at a guy who is going to come in and play a key role for them. So the value for them is greater than it might have been for some other teams. I mean, from a pure what this player means to us perspective, the value on the open market. I mean, he, it's like one of those situations with the next guy that I'm going to bring up. He could have got 50 simply because of his ability, his value to a team, and the fact that he can play a couple of different positions for you. Um, when you look at that value type situation and a guy that might have didn't get enough, you can also throw Herder in that conversation. I think that if he was playing with anybody besides oh, the Hawks, was, he'd, he'd be a $100 million guy. I was going to mention him. I don't know if he would be a $100 million player, but he would get more than the four years, seventy-five. excuse me, $65 million that he got from the from the Atlanta Hawks. He's the same type of guy to me that Shamit is from the perspective of you can put him in either of those guard roles and expect him to succeed. And I referenced the fact that if he wasn't in Atlanta quite a bit, because I think that playing beside Trey Young actually limits him because I think that Herter could do a lot more on the ball and as a playmaker than he actually does or has shown. And of course, at the end of the day, it's about what you put on film and what you put in the box score. So I think that limited his earning potential. And that's why I feel like he probably could have been a $100 million guy if he were elsewhere, because he would have displayed and illustrated a lot more of his game from a playmaker's perspective, as opposed to almost being relegated to a spot up shooter at times. So this goes back. I, I want to go back to my fascination with the Hawks as a trade destination for multiple reasons. Number one, they already paid Kevin Herter. Number two, next season, two really impactful players, in my opinion, who any team would love to have them, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. They're going to be up for their own extensions. So unless ownership wants to pay a massive luxury tax bill, somebody's going to get moved. I... And I tended to agree with you, bro, and I hate to do this. I may have to walk that back. I look at Cam Reddish's first year or so, first couple of years there, and they weren't the greatest. He was still struggling to find himself, find his game on the NBA level. But throughout the preseason, he's really shown some things, and especially the things that he showed to close last season, you know, only in a few games after coming back. But That's what I'm talking about. Like, I think they three. can use that as leverage to while you're going to have to pay him and you're going to have to pay him on that potential still. I think they can use that as leverage to get a reasonable deal done where the tax bill might not be as much because the more I think about it and the more I see him play in the preseason, you're going to want to hold on to Reddish and Hunter. Right. So, and we've talked about this, and you're going to bring this up, but I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back before you do. 
As I said oh. then, Capella's looking like the odd man out because Collins can play the five for them. Hmm. I'm still not really sold on that idea. Mainly not not for his ability, but the physical toll that being like being a center takes. You know what I mean? And I don't think Collins is big enough yet. You know you know what I'm saying? I mean you play you have a you have a guy come in off your bench, of course, that offers you more size. Like let's thank Dwayne Dedman for us. So there'll be times we trust Bam or anybody, and Bam isn't Collins, and Collins isn't Bam. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm using that as an example. Please don't fry me. Not saying that. If you're gonna go with the physical stuff, Bam is a. He looks, at least he. I'm gonna say he looks. He is bigger, stronger. Yeah, than this year. But last year when he wasn't as bulked up, him and Collins were extremely, extremely comparable. Correct. But here's the thing: Bam was injured. He he said himself he couldn't work out for a whole offseason. No, no, no. He had a short and, I'm not, and, I'm, and I get that, and I'm not knocking him for that. I'm just saying, if you look at Bam last year from the way he played the game and from a physical makeup perspective, him and Collins could be comparable, correct? Hmm. Because he okay, wasn't I'll, as big I'll, last I'll follow, year. I'll follow you. I'll follow you along. I'll let he you wasn't get, as big point. last year. I said that to say. We needed Dwayne Dedman to come in and help us with those bigger guys that were maybe a little too physical from Bam. Not from the perspective of Bam couldn't deal with it because Bam is strong and he's athletic and he's got the heart of a guy twice his size. So he could deal with it. But to relieve some of that pressure, you have a big guy in reserve that's actually a little bigger that comes in in those moments and allows you to play down a little bit so that you don't have to deal with that for a whole game. But throughout the course of the season, half of the game, two-thirds of a game, I think Collins can, you know, sustain and hold his own at the center spot, especially if you have another bigger guy, a la Dwayne Dedman, to come in and be able to take some of the pressure off from that moment. So I think that's when Oyeka Okongu comes in. That's where he comes in. He, you know, he was injured for a majority of last season and playing behind Collins and Capella. I'm sorry. So was, why are you debating me? You agree with me, JJ? I'm not why agreeing you with you. I'm just saying, me? like, I'm just saying. Okay, I'm. I'm just saying, like, if we go that route, then you're really putting a lot on a sophomore player's plate. You know what I'm saying? And a guy that, frankly, didn't have as a chance your, to show a lot last season. As your reserve big. As your reserve big. As your immediate reserve big, and a guy that will be a starter. The if is if John Collins goes down. I'm sorry, was he not drafted six overall? I'm just saying he's a sophomore player. I'm, I'm just I'm asking, was he not a top six pick? He was. I'm not disputing okay, that. I'm all, just, all, I'm, all right then. So I'm just so all I'm saying, JJ, is we can't coddle him, man. He was drafted top six for a reason. Get in there and play ball. Like this is your time to shine, young man. Like, I understand what you're saying. I completely agree. You're putting a lot on his plate, but it's not to say he's going to be a guy totally underwater because his draft status or his draft place or, you know, where he was drafted says that he should be able to handle it or he's one of the more talented bigs. That's all I'm saying. Where do we stand on Capella as a player? I like Capella. I mean, it's one of those Aiden situations. It's... In the right place, he's totally worth the money, but he's not worth that money or that same guy everywhere he is. And you have to be willing to play a certain style or you have to play a certain way innately in order for him to work, which is why it really boggled my mind when Houston let him go. 
but that's a whole mess we don't have to discuss anymore in the beginning of it or when they had onset of it go ahead when they had to let him go that was when westbrook and harden shared the backcourt and right that was right i mean but at that point man you you tell westbrook look we're not letting this guy go. You're going to come in and play most of your minutes as a six man if y'all can't work it out. I mean, that's what you have to do there because letting Capella go was clearly a mistake for them. But we, again, we're not hashing that. At the onset of his Atlanta Hawks tenure, it was a thing there too with him and Trey Young and everybody else being to throw him lobs. But the more they expand their profile as a team, when you start to add guys like Reddish in, when you start to add guys like Hunter in, when you start to play Collins more in an open floor five role when you decide to go smaller and quicker and more versatile on the outsides and from one through five, because when you're looking at Reddish and Hunter, you're talking about two guys who could either be your two or who could be your three or your four. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and while you, you got have them in there. there. Exactly. So while you wouldn't have those guys in consistently as your four, you're talking about three guys who you can slot up and down. Now imagine this, you got all three of those guys in with John Collins and Trey Young on either side of the bookend like that's a that's a very 2021-ish multiple lineup. You see what I'm saying? Can defend almost anybody because you have three guys that you trust to be defenders and two of them that could be elite in Hunter and Reddish. And you you know what I mean? You have five guys on the floor who there's pretty much nothing they can't do. So, I mean, so, that's the situation with Capella. It's just one of those situations where their philosophy as a team and what the talent they've built is allowing them to do just isn't conducive with what he does. Having him at his salary as a reserve guy does it make sense? No, it doesn't sense? make any sense. Right, and, and he you will, will you would also be taking away minutes. You would also be taking away valuable minutes from a young guy like Okungu. who right, and that was going to be my second point. Not only would you slow that multiple first unit, that philosophical potential first unit, or you know main unit I name with all those multiple guys. But like you said, if you wanted to bring him in as your reserve guy, then you're taking away minutes from a Congo and you drafted him six overall for a reason. I'm just saying. So let's stick with the Hawks here because something just occurred to me. Hear me out. What if Dallas finds a way to acquire him and then you can trot out a rim-rolling center, an elite rim-rolling center and a rim protector at that to play alongside Luka Doncic, an elite playmaker? Has to be a three teamer, first of all. We we gotta put that out there because Atlanta's not gonna take back Chris Stubbs. No, no. I don't I don't think you it'll don't, be a, I don't it, think I don't think you can play Chris Stapps and Clint Capella because like since the knee situation, Chris Stapps isn't as hmm isn't as he doesn't seem as fluid or as comfortable from as far outside as he once was. So I think his game now is going to entail a lot of inside-outside, and I think I him know. and Capella he, would need some of the same areas. He has looked pretty good in the in the preseason, but again, it's preseason. There you go. But now, don't get me wrong. If he if he's if he progresses and continues to be that same guy that he showed to be in New York, where he's outside, inside, and can still be effective down there, regardless of if it's another big down there occupying some of those same areas then I absolutely agree with you. That may be something to explore because you're talking about a guy like Luka Donich who can find a guy from anywhere but also hit you from 40 between the eyes. You give him a guy like Clint Capella, that's 18 points a night just because he's Luka. Mm. 
that that will be something. Okay, okay. Because I mean, and you I'll, can't. You're not gonna. As the other side of the pick and roll, you're not gonna willingly just all like. Basically, when you're even well, Trey Young scares the hell out of you. Just to be frank, but if you're a bigger guy, you might be comfortable helping down enough or even rolling down enough on the screen to take away Capella enough to the other guy picks him up while also cheating back towards Trey. You're not gonna do that with Luca because Luca's big enough to kill you even if it's two of you guys. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, and if you if you have the big drop enough. He'll kill you with the floaters or mid-range jump shots, which he is exactly. very adept at doing. And again, so, he's six seven, so it's not like you could use your size to kind of like again. I use Trey Young because we're talking about Clint Capella. And he's with the Hawks now. It's not like you could use your size to kind of recover or to kind of give you the ability to cheat. Mm-mm. You give Luca an inch, and you're cooked. Exactly. So enough Hawks talk. We talked a bit of, a bit there about the Hawks. Right. Well, you know, rookie extension spilled over. I was going to mention that we need to get to the Heat, but I think this is good talk because it all leads us to how they're going to lose division to rivals the Heat after eventually. All. Yeah, they're, eventually they're going to have to lose to us. So this just helps us understand how and why, you know. Yeah. So let's talk Heat. Oh, by the way, another team in our division. This one, let's discuss it very, very, very briefly. Miles Bridges and the the Charlotte Hornets did not reach an agreement on an extension. So. He'll be a restricted And I hate to be, you know, hate to be a recent, a recent, you know, a recent historian or whatever. But based on the way he looked against us the other night, ooh, they might come to regret that because that him PJ Washington combo looks like it's gonna be pretty good for them. I thought, I thought he was gonna get locked down for sure because he has shown a lot of progress and he could be an MIP candidate this season. Absolutely, it was always the jump shot for him as an athlete, as, as effort heart uh physicality it was always there it was always the jump shot and he's shown you enough consistency there where you're like this guy's a real player yeah so let's get going with some miami heat talk we fight we played our final preseason game on friday against our hated rival boston celtics didn't mean anything you know but it's always good to beat the celtics it didn't mean anything on paper it meant you know, something to us. You know what, what we you know. stand for here in this podcast? We never wish success for the, to the, for the Celtics. There you go. So, the final score, 121 Heat, 100 Celtics. Tyler Hero displaying why he should, why people should be paying more attention to him than what they are. By the way, I drafted Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero was one of my last picks in Fantasy League, and nobody even looked at him, and I felt so proud of myself. Absolutely. Preseason planners, man. He went nuts. Yeah. So let's look, read off Tyler Hero's box score stat line. 29 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 10 of 15 from the floor. That's extremely good. 5 was for 6 from th- from deep. That's what most people were talking about. Tyler Hero was killing the Celtics from deep. And Jimmy Butler played 25 minutes, as and Kyle Lowry played almost 30, as, as so did Bam Adebayo. Kyle Lowry, he his scoring hasn't really come along this preseason, but I really I'm really not worried about that because he, we brought him in mostly to run the offense. Would I'm be glad nice you if he say could. that. It would be You're not I worried would, about it. I'm not worried about it. You know, it would be cool if he could score 15, but. I, I would take that as an added bonus every single night because of the way he runs the offense. 
I mean, you, like I said, man, I just wanted to make sure I got that in before you, I didn't know how far you were going to go and not that it matters. Cause that's what we do. We go as far as we can. Um, I'm just glad that you said it doesn't bother you because it totally doesn't bother me. I think that one of the things that we were very excited about, excited about with Kyle Laurie is indicative of his situation as a whole with us. One of the things, not only, of course, the playmaking and what that means for everybody else and how that would invigorate and empower all of our other guys. Shout out to Bam. Shout out to Tyler. You've seen these things to be themselves or to be better versions of themselves. You also love the fact that Kyle Laurie's a guy who would just come up and pull up from 40 on a dime. We love that. Like we, we talked about that several times here. That comes out of nowhere. He can just do that. I feel like his offensive game is the same way. When it's needed the most, it'll just come out of nowhere. So I don't think that is that big of an issue because when you look at how the Heat are put together, he'll have no choice but to have good looks. And if you're talking about a player like Kyle Lloyd, he's going to make good on those good looks. So to reiterate and to echo your stance, it doesn't really bother me that much. Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all as well. And since we brought him in mostly to to be a that was my computer <laughs> uh, to bring him in as a facilitator and make life easier for other guys then he's doing he's doing his job uh, brilliantly i might add so do you want to talk about anything else from the preseason I, i'm i'm pretty ready to start about the regular season i mean listen i if i had to add anything else from that game the stat line of tyler's really didn't fully embody the performance. And I know people will say, you're hyping. He had 20, whatever, whatever. He let him, it's gone, whatever. Yeah. It's about the way he got it done, man. He hit shots from here, hit shots from there, hit shots from everywhere. He showed you some on defense. He took on the challenge at times when it was necessary. Um, and I mean, it's just everything that you've seen to want from him in the last year or so. He's shown that to you, of course, across the preseason, but he showed all of that to you in that last preseason game. And the last thing about it is it's especially encouraging to see that after his performance against Charlotte, where he didn't really have a good game. So the fact that not only have most of his games this preseason been of that type when he's played a significant amount of minutes, but on his one occasion where he didn't have a good game, he bounced right back. And you love to see that love to see it absolutely so i think we could get into the real the real season the regular season we tip off on thursday against the defending champions milwaukee bucks who play tomorrow night which is october 19 a day for kenneth that i think is a normal day for him i'm not gonna address anything What? about that <laughs> a, a normal day i mean you know it's just like any other day i mean I mean, a legend was born and everything, but, you know, it's just like any other day. My my birthday is uh, October 19th, guys. That's what JJ's talking about. Happy birthday to me. Thanks, thanks. You're too kind. You're too kind. Yeah, you make sure, to, yeah, send in the, make sure to send in those birth, do those happy birthday messages to Kenneth when, when when the podcast comes out tomorrow. Oh, shucks, man. Don't do that. Um, NBA ball is a treat enough, man. On my birthday, they have NBA ball. I mean, the Miami Heat aren't playing, so... There is that, but um, as you were saying, man, the Bucks are actually playing tomorrow night to open the season, and I think that's really interesting. I think that's really interesting that 
we're going to see them to open the year as far as our opening game on Thursday. Um, and it's not going to be on national TV, which is, I mean, it's, they have the Mavericks Hawks at 730. And I understand it may be a timing thing, but when you have the Heat Bucks, a team that has been, you know, like a heated rivalry over the last couple of years, a team that, again, is defending champion in the Bucks, and a team that's been made over like we have with the addition of Cal Laurie, when you bring in guys like Marquise Morris, and, you know, other guys, you talk about the improvement of Hero, you talk about the improvement of Max Strauss, you talk about guys like Deadman being able to be there for a whole process of the offseason. I just think that with the anticipation of a team like the Heat, and especially against the Bucks, a defending champion, we would get that national TV slot. But, again, beggars can't be choosers. So, Hey, I wouldn't call us beggars. We got plenty of national TV chances this season. Yeah, we More do, man. We do. I say beggars because we've been so highly anticipating a regular season game with this team. Oh, yeah. So much. So, let's preview our opening game. Finally, we made it here. It's been a long wait. Especially, we had the longest wait of any fan base since we were, unfortunately, the we had the unceremonious distinction of being the first team eliminated from the NBA playoffs. But that's all good. We're we're gonna come back stronger. We finally come back on Thursday, and I couldn't be more excited. We're finally gonna see Kyle Lowry, Bam, and Jimmy play real, and I mean real, meaningful basketball. We have seen them in the preseason, but we all know the preseason. I think. Raja Bell in the Real Ones podcast described it perfectly. When in the preseason, if there's a guy who you're supposed to rotate to and he's well, he's open for a jump shot, you go and just either not contest or make a half-hearted contest. In the regular season, it's on. So I would expect this team to come out with fiery intensity in the in the opening of the regular season, especially with the juices flowing so so high. The, the people talking about Tyler Hero and him getting misquoted last week which made the national media rounds and people making fun of him. Jimmy Butler and, and Bam ready to put their struggles against the Milwaukee Bucks behind them. And Kyle Lowry hoping to bring champion that championship pedigree and elite level playmaking to this team that has sorely needed it. I'm really excited, man. And of course, as much as we dislike the Bucks. I do enjoy watching Giannis play. I'm not gonna lie, Giannis. Giannis is a delightful. It's a it's a delight to to watch play. I'm sorry, I'm JJ. Not... We had the Miami Heat fan council on line one. They said to call <laughs> them after we finish. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. We we'll explain. I'll explain my reasoning to them. Hey, it's not that long ago until we wanted him on this team and we had a chance of getting him. You know what I'm saying? I agree. But once he signed the deal, he was dead to me. Eh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that. I don't have those such strong feelings about players. I know. I know. He's a good player, man. But it's like this: you swept my team, brother. Oh yeah, you swept. You swept my team. That is true. But still, I think, you know, we might we mustn't like homers and stuff. But I think we win. The you know maybe the, I don't know if tomorrow the. I think tomorrow the Bucks win mostly because they're going to f- be feeding off the crowd's energy. Uh, it's, it's, it's banner night. You know, everybody gets the rings. Although, I will say, that has come back to bite people in the past. I mean, 
I expect that first quarter to go Brooklyn's way because in the first quarter, you know, the players are still like settling in, like, oh man, we, we, they're still riding the high of the of the ring ceremony and and how and how special it is to all of them. And then the game starts and the other team's ready, and they're listening to that. They're probably listening to the ring ceremony in the locker room, and their coaches is, is I know their coaches are gonna be like, hey, you see those guys out there? That's gonna be us next year. So bring it to them. We if we want to be if if you want them to be visiting us in our own ring ceremony, we gotta bring out everything we got. So that's what usually happens on on opening night, and especially during you know ring ceremonies. You know what I'm saying? So. I mean, we saw it a bit with with our very with our very own Heat teams, and when when we were champions, you know, I think one of those seasons we played was it the Bulls, or and you you know you knew the Bulls were always going to bring it. So yeah, it, it, if I'm a Bucks fan, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks get smoked or not smoked, but they get beaten on opening night. What do you say, Kenneth? Well, I'm not going to be as complex with it as you. I think because the Brooklyn Nets don't have Kyrie Irving, that they're not going to win. Now, what I will say about the whole opening slate is this. I'm looking at it, Nets, Bucks, 7.30, and then Warriors, Lakers at 10 o'clock. What is the NBA trying to tell us? Are you trying to tell us that this is your finals matchups? Is, is that what they're trying to tell us? Your finals matchup meaning that it could involve either the Lakers or the Warriors and the Bucks and the, and the Nets. I don't see, see the Warriors Nets, getting that far. They see a Nets-Bucks Eastern final and they see a Warriors-Lakers West final. Look, man, I'm high think, on the Warriors that, and everybody else. I think I don't think that that necessarily means anything. It's just that LeBron know, James, just, Stephen Curry, know, Giannis, just, and Kevin Durant are some of the most popular players in the league. You need those know, ratings man, for opening night. Conspiracy music here, man. That's all. Now, funny you say that, and I'm, and with, again, this is a Heat podcast, so I won't go. I'm higher on the Warriors than everybody else thinks, man. They've been underrated the last few seasons. They got a lot going on over there. I know Clay has to actually come back and show us that he's still Clay, but if he does, you're one of those guys that's on the Jordan Poole bandwagon. Um, no. <laughs> um, hmm. because I've seen so a lot of Jordan Poole love. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, man, and they're almost. Tyler Hero-ish with it, if that makes sense. Like, they're setting up the kid to fail due to their expectations. Like, the kid is not a bad player, but they're setting him up with such high expectations. As high as we were on Tyler Hero for his regular season bubble performance, they're that high on pool for his preseason performance. So would you say that he's this year's THT slash Tyler Hero? So I don't even like the way you phrase that. TAC hasn't proved anything, and neither has Poole. Tyler Hero went to the bubble and dominated. So I never like that comparison. I'll give you he's this year's, this year's THT. Oh, what happened? I must have had a slip in the matrix there. But yeah, this year's THT, I'll agree there. Hmm. I hope, well, THT is a fine player. It's just that, you know... Oh, no, I agree there. I just hate the comparison between THT and Tyler Hero because, again... Tyler Hero went to the bubble and showed off. What has THT done? Eh, he's played pretty well, and you know he's a member of a championship team. But whatever, he's not like the. Has he did what, anything what's, what's, like what's, Tyler what's did that? in the bubble? No, of course not. What's that account That's my only point. Like, I think it's called Ball Don't Stop or something like that. It's just that 
some it's the guys basically said that uh, basically calling people casuals for not thinking that THT was going to be a superstar. The guy got well, flamed, rightfully so. But yeah, you're talking about people who've seen people play, and 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 I hate to do this, but you talk about people who've just been watching people play for a long time, and if you watch the guy play for a long time, you know his game, and you've seen what he's been able to do against different levels of competition. So there are certain times where you just hold firm to that belief, regardless of what the eyes telling you, or regardless of what you're seeing, and especially if you can find data or some analytic to match up with the narrative that you're painting in your head, and that's oh, what no, ends he's, up happening. He's one there. of those guys that. You know he he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's against that. I know. I saw that last night. He's a too. hooper, uh, right? But at the end of the day, it's just and and you know how I feel about that. Everybody's against data until you can use it to back up your argument. But um, you know, I mean, I gotta see it with THT, man. It's just like every other player in the league. Show me if you put it on wax, then you have that on wax, and I have nothing to refute. I can't argue what you show me. So, Kenneth, before we move on to our final topic, do we beat the Bucks on, on Thursday? There's only one answer. Do we beat the Bucks on Thursday? Do, do we beat the Bucks on Thursday? I'm, I'm testing you. By, by how many? By how many is the question? Hmm. Because it's yeah, not man, a, I think when, we beat the Bucks when, when by the six points. When the Miami Heat fan council cross-examination begins, I'll, I'll tell on you. Wait a minute, brother. Hey, I just said, by how many do we beat them by? No, seriously, <laughs> I think we beat them by six points. By six. Hmm. Yep. I think six. it's either gonna be. I think. Hmm. I don't. I don't want to. It's just that. I wouldn't. You think it's gonna be a blowout, right? You think it's gonna be a blowout, or you know that you think it's gonna be a blowout on either side. Either it's gonna be a real close game for them, or it's gonna be a blowout. I think for if us. they beat us, I think if they beat us, it's gonna be really close. But if we beat them, it's gonna be a blowout because this team they so, they remember like like remember right. that that December game the first time they faced us after we and that's what I was them? about to say they don't forget they they haven't forgotten that they paid us back so now they're probably thinking to themselves they're eager to pay us back no so I think you know it's gonna be a close game so both teams are incredibly good. So with that being said, let's move on to our final topic, which is which is our awards predictions for the season. Now, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna say uh, we're gonna say we're gonna say our our winner, our predicted winner, and a guy that we think that could also be winning. Call it a dark horse, but a, a, the other guy that could also win it realistically. So let's start with the big one, MVP. Who do you got? Sticking with my prediction, man, I think Steph has a great chance to win MVP. Who's your other guy? Uh, if let me let me finish. If the Warriors can have the type of resurgence season that I think they're gonna have, then I think Steph is just as high on my list as any other guy. You give me your first. Mine's Kevin Durant. He's due for one. It will be a. Tra- a- really weird re- like like Kobe or, or Shaq winning only one MVP between like both like both of them in, in their respective careers it would be really weird to see Kevin Durant with only one MVP and he still showed that he can play at an extremely high level he's gonna get more shots he's gonna have more responsibility with Kevin with excuse me with Kyrie Irving out for the foreseeable future James Harding is an excellent p- playmaker 
they're going to combine for some gaudy stats. So I think Kevin Durant, efficient, one of the most efficient scores who have ever existed, one of the greatest scores who have ever existed. And uh, the best player in the league, he's got that going for him. I think it's between him and Giannis that most people would say. I would have him over Giannis, although it's more of a 1A to 1B, personally. Well, I think you just gave you a second one too, huh? Yeah, I gave away my second one. Giannis under the Kumpo. Yeah. I think the MVP is going to come out of the East. Yeah, I think Those that are my the clear guy. Cut. No, go ahead. Didn't mean to cut you off. Those are the clear-cut two best players in the league. And Giannis now that has washed off the stink from getting eliminated two postseasons in a row in embarrassing fashion that he had that going against him. He's a year removed. Well, he's yeah, he's he's a season removed from winning his second straight MVP. So to me, he is he's got a clean slate and the championship narrative going for him. I thought Giannis. Giannis would probably be my three or my four. Um, KD and Giannis are probably my three and my four. Now I'm going to say something with both of those before I give you my two. With Giannis, um, everything he's added, if he can continue to be that same guy from the preseason, shooting jumpers, hitting pull-up jumpers, stopping pulls, over guy turnarounds, um, if he can continue to do that through the season, he's going to probably be the number one candidate for MVP throughout the season and win it if that's his game now. Um, yeah. On Kevin Durant. Uh, if, I, I want to add something. If he's hitting those jump shots, those types of shots consistently, like turnarounds and fadeaways, pull-ups, not even like an elite rate, just consistently. Yeah, if he's average, if a, he's 33%, he's unguardable. If he is at that level... I love my team and all, but I would have a bit of trouble not thinking that they could go back-to-back. I trust Bam, man, and especially a rebuilt Bam. And when you're talking about the fact that I always preach, we weren't as far apart as a team from them last year as that series might have shown. We weren't – we might have not been as good as them. Agree. But were they sweep us better than the Heat last year? No. So I feel like with the addition of Cal Laurie, with the resurgence of Bam Adebayo, they were just dog tired, man. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like with everything we had, uh, that pulls us even with them, even with his improvements. Because just like he's going to come out and be elite, our guys have to come out and be elite. And mind you, something that we've nailed home, but haven't necessarily talked about a ton in this episode, Bam Adebayo is looking to score now. So just like you're going to drop that shoulder into people, Bam's going to drop that shoulder into you. So if you can still do that to people 20 times a game after he does that to you 20 times a game, more power to you. Now, okay. on Kevin Durant, how many games does he have to play to win the MVP? Just curious. In your mind, how many games can he miss and still win the MVP? Out of 82. He has to play 68 games. I was thinking 70. 68 to 70 games, I would say. I don't know if he plays that many games. If he plays at least 70, surefire to be in there all the way to the end. I don't know if he plays 70 games. And that would be my main concern. Because, I mean, without Kyrie, him and James Harden are going to have to, like, ball out of their minds. Every night. Which they can. Absolutely. I agree. But that's also going to take a tremendous toll on them. And we're not necessarily talking about two guys who've been LeBron James. 
Well, James Harden was the closest in terms of in terms of durability to LeBron James for a number of years there. And I think I you touched on it on a on a previous pod. It was that he came out so out of shape to Houston training camp that when he started to ramp up his the intensity in Brooklyn, you know, in order to get back in shape, something was going to pull. Because you can't just do that. You can't just come in looking like like a I don't want a fat shame, so let's just say he was he was he was thick. No, he looked like that. He looked like all of our uncles at the cook. He looked he looked like exactly like Kenneth just said, and then start training hard like an NBA like an elite NBA player. Your body's gonna pull something, and miraculously, it was only a hamstring. It could have been much worse, I think. And again, we might both be talking out of our asses here. But from what we can perceive from the outside, I think that was the case. Don't you agree? Totally agree. Just the way the human body is put together, you need proper amount of time to ramp up and to get it accustomed to doing those same things. And especially the crazy things that you make your body do if you're James Harden over and over again, especially in those tense, high pressure situations where there's no predictability to when it's going to come. You just have to be ready and able to execute that move. It was bound to happen. So, no, we agree there. Um, but that's key for them. And the wear and tear that having to not only do what you would do anyway, but do what you would do plus some because of Kyrie's absence, that's going to take a toll. And, again, I don't know if him or James Harden can play 70 games. Now, there are going to be times where inevitably one of them is sitting and one of them is playing. So you do have that. But at the same time, that's huge for me because I do think if he's – on the floor for 70 or more games, and he's definitely a top competitor. Kevin Durant, a top competitor for the MVP. Now, my I was, second guy, I wouldn't sleep on James Harden in that regard because I wouldn't sleep on James Harden in, in that because he was making a strong case for MVP last season before he went down. I agree. Because he was carrying the Nets without Kyrie and KD. He's going to be top eight. It's just going to be that he's playing with KD, who's going to be top two. Exactly. That's, that's what I would say, but unless... Let's say that Kevin Durant misses a ton of games. Right, and then you're looking at James Harden being that top three guy. Exactly, because as we have previously mentioned, Kevin Durant is sneakily unreliable. You know what I'm saying? Oh, not sneakily. He's full-blown come to that perspective where you got to make sure that he's going to be there for the duration because he's just – it's an accumulation thing with Kevin Durant. It's not that you expect him to come out and he's brittle or anything. It's just that things have happened with him too often that you're scared. Mm-hmm. So, we gave our our. I, I never MVPs. got to my number two guy. I never got to my oh, number yeah, two guy, there, JJ. So my number two guy would be Luca, simply because of what I think Jason Kidd is going to be able to do for him as a player. I don't know how that translates to winning and that type of success, but I think as a player and the positions he's going to put him in and the freedom he's going to allow him to have and the insight and the philosophy and the, how much of himself he sees in him, um, I think that's going to put Luca in a position where he's a top competitor for MVP. So I would say Luca's probably my number one candidate. I should have probably rephrased that. Luca's probably my top candidate, where Steph is my number two and my dark horse. With Luca, I think the statistical the the stats will be there. I don't know if the wins will be. And to be honest, if some people are four, still if sit- they're top four C, if they're top four C, you're gonna have to have an amazing season to beat him. 
You see what I'm saying? If they're consistently like top four in the West, you're going to have to have an amazing season to beat them. Because as you mentioned, the numbers are going to be there. Yeah, the numbers are, are going to be there. But Dallas is currently constructed. I will have the Lakers, the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the Suns ahead of them. I can give you all of those except the Nuggets for certainly. And that's because I don't know where they're going to get that Murray production from. What if they don't need it? What if Michael Porter Jr. turns out to be fan- a fantastic scorer? So just Nikola because Jokic they paid and- him, just because they paid him, doesn't mean he's that. No, no, no. I'm not saying just because they paid him. I'm just saying that he showed a lot oh, no, when Jamal Murray went down. I and agree he, with you. He and Aaron Gordon fit like a glove to the offense that Jokic runs. There, and I think they're gonna be quite good as long as Nikola Jokic, who has proven he does not miss a lot of games if he puts up stats similar to his mvp campaign last season they're gonna be tough to beat and by all means i mean let's not get it twisted i didn't mention gordon because he's been wildly inconsistent at times um but when it comes to their roster i like what they have as far as the guys they can plug in to kind of account for that production that you're not gonna get, you know what I mean, from Merlin. When you're thinking they're, about they're, a guy, they also got, they also go got ahead. Jeff Green, who accounts for 50 wins by himself. Go ahead, bro. When you got a guy <laughs> like, um, you got Bones Holland, Nashawn Holland. You also got uh, PJ Dozier, who I really like, and then you have to love Monte Morris. I mean, they got guys. I I like what they got. Um, so I'm not, you know what I mean, down on them per se. I just think that Murray was on the cusp of becoming different. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm with Murray. We have. I'm not gonna say I'm gonna hold judgment until we see it because we have seen it. It's just that for a full season, we have been waiting. How many years has it been that we? And notice, I said on I'm, the cusp. That's why I chose my words wisely because consistency is a big thing with him too. Because I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna disagree with you. It's just that how many years have we been saying he's on the cusp? He's gonna do it. He's gonna jump to a consistent twenty three point score. Absolutely. But let me tell you something, JJ. When you also have MPJ playing the way he's playing, when you also have Gordon and Toe, when you have the other guys that I mentioned, even if he's not twenty three a game, it doesn't matter because you have the rest of that. And that's specifically why I said from the top, Murray's production. I still would have him slightly up, up ahead of Dallas. That, of course, rests on if Kristaps Porzingis looks as good as he has in the preseason, and if he and you're the one banging his Luka, drum, so you know I'm joking, man. If <laughs> if he and Luca work out their admitted, admitted uh, clunky fit on the court that we have seen, maybe Jason Kidd uses deploys Kristaps Porzingis in a much different way than. By the end there, they had him basically as a spot-up shooter, which is a gross mis- uh, gross misutilization of his skill set. Would you, wouldn't you, would you agree? Completely. I mean, once you relegate that guy to a spot-up shooter, you're paying him for nothing. So, uh, I, don't, I still would have Denver above them. Okay, let's move on to our other two. We're running a bit out of time here. Let's move on to our other category, Defensive Player of the Year. Now, I'm going to 
I'm not listen. I'm not gonna count it as a homer pick because I think it is realistic for him to win. I got Bam as my number one. No argument here. I think. Listen, you can call me a home. Whoever is listening to this, you can call me a homer. I don't care. I truly believe he can do it. He is one of those rare guys that can defend all five positions and an elite level, I might add. The Heat defense will be there. I think we might be the best. We might have one of, if not the best defense in the league. That matters with voters. And Bam is slowly creeping up in national media love. Some I've seen, I've listened to some podcasts. They have mentioned, "Hey, what about Bam as Defensive Player of the Year?" And I know Rudy Gobert is excellent, but I'll ask you this, Kenneth: Can Rudy Gobert win another Defensive Player of the Year? I think that with the narrative that has been created about how he plays defense, and though that's still very valuable, what he does because what he does, he does it at a very high level and a higher level than anybody else. I think that with the other guys that you'll have in contention, and w- you'll knock him yeah, because go- of the narrative that's been created. Go ahead, because I wanted to mention something. Go ahead. The Clippers were the worst. The Clippers were the worst possible matchup for the Jazz. So, Rudy Gobert being rendered not ineffective, but not as impactful as he was in the later season, I wouldn't necessarily hold it that much against him. I would hold it more against. Houston, why Houston, excuse were they, me, uh, Utah's why were they the worst possible matchup? Because the Clippers could play five out. There you go. Everybody in that. So, and that's and that's exactly what I'm speaking about when I say the way that Gobert plays defense and is elite defensively. You look at other guys who do the same things or similar things that Gobert can do, but who can also do so much more. And that's where I think the knock is going to come at. Because that narrative isn't just a narrative, it's the truth. He's a great he's one of the greatest help side defenders ever. I'll say it. Also, for I I don't think, you know, as much as Donovan Mitchell's offensive numbers look incredible, I don't think we're giving enough criticism to him for being an absolute sieve on defense under in during the regular season and in the playoffs. Right. And I think that's another narrative that you're starting to see bubble up a lot more. That you know he you know giving you big time James Harden vibes. Yeah. So if you if he wanna if he wants to live up to those D weight comparisons, you better start playing some defense. Because if there's a thing that Dwayne Wade, what made Dwayne Wade such a all time talent, was his impact on both ends of the floor. So, who's your who my who's your first for defensive player of the year? You you never told me. I told you I didn't disagree with you. It had to be Bam Adebayo. Oh, yeah. So who's our number two? My number two I would have Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think it's going to be Ben Simmons. Ooh. Well, I don't know if the voting will be there for him, though, because it seems like he's going to – well, he will start the season with the Sixers, and the effort might not be there. His best bet, if he wants to get out of there, is either give an incredible amount of effort that he does seemingly does not want to give because, according to a practice video which he, that we were shown right. on Twitter today, he w- wouldn't even join the huddle. Who, If I were his teammate, I would go up to the to the coach and say, what the hell is this, man? Why, why are you allowing this? 
If I, I, if I were a team captain, I would. I, would I agree. UD wouldn't stand for that shit. No, 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 no. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do that in UD's locker room. But that's the whole concept. Oh, absolutely. That's the whole thing, though, man. You had that resistance and that fight back that I think is going to manifest itself in the way he's playing this year. Like, don't get me wrong. I think that as a teammate, he's operated horribly with this whole situation. But the guy's still talented. And as an athlete, as a competitor, as a human, you yearn to prove people wrong or to show people, hey, I'm not the guy you've been paying me to be as a player. So I think he's going to come out this season and give everybody everything that they want to see. And, of course, with him, while he's an amazing offensive talent because of his size and his skill set, regardless of whether he should have took the layup or not because he should have dunked it. But it starts with defense for him. And I think that he's going to come out with that mindset. Why would he? Here's the thing, Kenneth. Why would he play hard? Because if he plays hard and the Sixers are amazing in the regular season once again, then Daryl Moore is going to be, why am I going to trade this guy? We're good. He's still under contract for four years. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm not going to push. Listen, if this were a normal year, Ben Simmons is and would be a near near the top of the list. But I don't know. I would push back. I agree on with you, bro. I, I understand your point, and I and I can't refute that because we don't know the future. But if they haven't moved you yet, you can go in and act like that, and you're going to end up in Sacramento or in Minnesota. The only way to kind of still mm, have Sacramento, some control. I think that would be pretty fun. I, it would be fun, but he wouldn't win. Um, I think that that would be the best way to get what you want is to cozy up to them at this point. I'm not saying kiss their butts, but don't be a dick about it for lack of better terms. Like you Hmm. see what playing hardball has gotten you back to Philadelphia. So at this point, I don't think that that that's going to be a conducive strategy, bro. It's just that he's in a lose-lose situation. He's under contract for four years. You know, right. this is an unprecedented so the, power so the move. Only win, and he doesn't have that type of juice. You know what I'm saying? The only win he for him in this situation is to come out and ball out. That's exactly what I'm saying. So, <laughs> enough Ben Simmons talk. We talk about him enough. I, we need actual basketball in order to stop talking about that guy. So, next category. Most improved player. I mentioned on Twitter. Who you was know, your number two this, for this, defensive this, player of the year? I, I apologize. Who was your number two for uh, defensive player of the year? I said Giannis. I said Giannis. Okay, you did. I apologize. You did. You did. Agree. Okay, that's cool. He's in okay. my top three. Let's move on quickly here. Most improved player. This one's a bit harder to predict, although there are some popular names like Michael Porter Jr., OG Ananobi, my guy OG. I didn't pick OG, mostly because I wanted to be a bit of a contrarian and because I believe this guy could really truly make a big jump in jump in year three and that's Darius Garland point guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers and I don't know how the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to sort out their front court rotation that's a mess I don't know why you pay Laurie marketing all that money if you drafted Evan Mobley at number three maybe you view him as your center but right now he's not ready to play center and then you also got Jared Allen playing and don't forget you got Kevin Love at 
about $30 million. So what are they going to do? I don't know. But I think Darius Garland will play really good basketball this season. So my number one pick for most improved player, I'm I'm a homer, man, Tyler Hero. If he's this guy, in a regular season, he he's gonna win most improved. My second mm. pick for most improved player. So wait, 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 wait. Let, let, let me interrupt you there. How? Because usually most improved player is the guy that increases his scoring average by X amount from one right. season to the other. How much does he need to average? Tyler Hero? Yes. The closer he gets to 20, the better. And I think he can realistically give you 17 or 18 a game. I have him at 18 per game this season. Right. Which I don't and, think and, will be quite enough to get him to the MIP level. Bro, if especially he's 18, if OG and M- it, if, if OG and MPJ play as well as we're expecting them to, then... I see it. I have them winning another category, another award, excuse me, but right. And most improved player, it's, I... it's, it's funny you say that, and I hate to step on both of our toes, but if he can get to that 18 around four dimes and we know he's going to board, so five assists, I mean, five rebounds or so, which you can count on him to give you, um, I think that he'll surely win it, especially if the Heat are in that top three, top four-ish range by some stroke of luck. And he's as big a part of it as we expect him to. Plus, as we're about to say, and we're stepping on our own toes, I have him as a number one guy for six man of the year. But So if he's that, as well as all those numbers and the Heat are doing what they're doing as a team, he has no choice but to be considered as the MIP because last year, everybody had Pat Riley trading him. Everybody. Except me, of course. Good thing. Good thing we're not all Miami Heatians because but the team would be in shambles right now. Absolutely. <laughs> and my second guy for most improved player, he's a Porter Jr., but he ain't Michael. It's Kevin. There you go. I think with the attention that Jalen Green's going to take off of him, uh, he's going to be able to get a lot of one-on-one matchups, a lot of optimal looks. And I think that's where Houston has a ton of success because they have two guys who can not only – fill it up like two guards, but who could get it done off the bounce like ones. And we saw what he was able to do in just a short amount of appearances last year with Houston. I think he went for like a 40-burger and triple-doubles weren't anything foreign to him, that type of jazz. Um, I think he's a guy that's really looking at a most improved type season if, this is if, he can find a way to mesh with Jalen Green and they don't step on each other's toes. That would be my only thing. Oh, and to go specifically on that game that I'm talking about, he put up 50 Did points. Did he get like 49? Yeah, you know, he put up 50 oh, points, 50? 11 assists, and five rebounds back on April the 29th against Milwaukee. So he got a 50 and 10 game. Wow. He got a 50 burger with 11 dimes and five rebounds. That's that's impressive, bro. Mind you, 9 of 15 on three. That's 60%. Hmm. Okay. Let's move on to our other award, Coach of the Year. I picked I didn't want to I didn't want three Miami Heat people winning the award. And I hate it saying this. 
I picked Quinn Snyder just because I didn't want to pick another Miami Heat person winning winning an award. And, you know, I love the Heat. I've, I, wish, I wish we could win every award. But that's not just realistic. And, you know, it would make for an entertaining podcast, to be fair. So I picked Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz. I think the Jazz are still really well constructed for the regular season. And he has shown to be a really good, great coach for them. And usually, usually coach of the year goes to a coach that, a team that wins a lot of games, even though they were not expected to, last year's Knicks or last year's Suns, or a team that just dominates the regular season without a, although Donovan Mitchell's approach and Rudy Gobert, are, I would call both of them star players. But get a team to be cohesive and and just dominate regular the regular season. So I got Quinn Snyder for that award of the Utah Jazz. Eric Spolster was my number two. I will, I will spoil it. And I wish he were my number one. It's just that uh, I, I can't pick three straight Miami Heat people to win an award. I mean, I agree with you, man. I think this is Spolster's year to finally win it. He's never won one. So realistically – I'm a homer, man, but I really think these things because if I didn't think them, I wouldn't say them. I think he has a strong chance to win the coach of the year, but I'll give you two just for the sake of not picking him. And these may shock you. Who's one of your most interesting watches outside of Miami Heat this year? The Chicago Bulls. I think Billy Donovan has a chance if they can sneak their way into a top four or five seed. If he can take that team and go four or five, Billy Donovan has a chance. And then secondly... Oh, he does have a chance. It's just that I don't think the Bulls will be that, that good. Right, and that's why I say Feast of Famine. You know how I feel about them. They're either going to win a lot of games or not win a ton at all. And if they end up winning a lot of games, Billy Donovan definitely, you know what I mean, has a chance to uh, be there. Well, he will <sighs> be seen as a guy who essentially rescued a franchise that hasn't made the playoffs. And they have the worst record in the NBA since trading Jimmy Butler. Absolutely. So they're back in national prominence. So this one's going to blow your socks Who's your off. Other? This one's going to blow your socks off. Is it going to be Taylor Jenkins? No. For <laughs> as much criticism as he gets, and he deserves no. it. Who am no. I talking about? You're Who am I talking about, about Bud, right? And I'm not. I'm not. I'm talking about the other one. Uh. Oh, I'll. Maybe you've guessed it already. Um, if he can manage to come anywhere close to the regular season that he had last year with all of this Ben Simmons drama going on, you have oh, to give yeah. Doc consideration. I think that ship has sailed. Well, I wouldn't say that ship has sailed because he has a lot of respect among NBA media. and Right, and that's, why, and that's why he's my number two because I think that the 76ers are going to be a lot better than everybody thinks they're going to be. Because I, I fear I fear that the whole Ben Simmons fiasco is going to bring them together. And Joel Embiid is going to play like a fool. And if they are anywhere close to where they were, like, if they surprise the East and be a top three seed, he's going to win coach of the year, especially with all the Ben Simmons drama. Hmm. For a minute, for a minute there, I thought you were going to say Bud. And I, I was like, he can't, he I, can't. I wouldn't <laughs> You said you were going to blow my socks off, so it's like right. he's going to pick Bud. Right, I knew that. But, I mean, I thought that you would either go Bud or Doc Rivers based on the fact that 
you know, people question Doc Rivers like waking up every day. It's like, what is he doing? But in any event. Well, it's just that. Don't you think he has been riding that OA championship out of the Celtics that have, he is the guy that has gotten the most out of that OA championship? Absolutely. Doc will never not have a job in the league as long as he wants it. Because Doc is a good coach. He just doesn't always make the best decisions in the biggest moments. But his teams never underachieve getting there. They seem to underachieve after they get there, if that makes sense. Right, right. Well, that's the thing with the with the Clippers. His final year with the Clippers. When well, his his second to last year with the Clippers. When that team was just a ragtag group of, of guys of castoffs. They were playing really well. And they took the Warriors to six. But now with the but when the Clippers were favored, there you go. They crumbled. There you go. And they look good. A you lot know what? I'm gonna throw another name year. out there before I'm going to throw another name out there before we close out with our final segment. With a final word, excuse me. Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets. I can see that. If they can over if they overcome the Jamal Murray absence and they don't skip and they don't skip a beat, he has a number, chance. If they go number one, number two C, oh, he's definitely top consideration. Yeah. Okay, six man of the year. We already revealed our, our first guy, Tyler Hero. Who's your second guy? So, my second guy for six man of the year, Derek Rose. He's my number two as well. Really? Although it's just six man of the year is such a hard one to predict before the season because you don't know what the rotations are, are right? Injury, exactly. all of that thing. A guy can find himself thrust into a starting role. All of that jazz. I got it. And that could be the case with our guy. Lord forbid. Lord forbid, I need everybody to make it through the season. 90% healthy or better. But if somebody goes down for us, Tyler Hero is immediately a starter. Oh, man. Don't you put that evil on me. Come on. Why do you bring I'm, that I'm, up? I'm sorry. Don't tell the fan council. Yeah. Okay. So there you have it. Our awards predictions. Kenneth, before we leave, are you excited or are you excited? I'm excited. Did you ask me that? Yes, I am very excited. Finally, we have real NBA basketball back tomorrow night. Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks to tip off the NBA 75th anniversary season. So without further ado, thank you for listening to this episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. You can also leave a five-star review and a five-star rating, excuse me, and a short review on Apple Podcasts. And where can they find you on social media, JJ? You can find me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. That's JJ R I V as in Victor E R A N B A on Twitter. And you can also find me on Instagram at Jairo Rivera 98. That's J A I R O R I V as in Victor once again E R A 98. And where can we find you, my friend? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. On Twitter, you can find me at K said K. That's K, the letter, underscore, said, the word, S-A-I-D, underscore, Q-U-E. Again, on Twitter, that's K underscore said, underscore K. And on Instagram, you can find me at I am K Sears. That's the word I, the word am, the letter K, the word Sears, C-I-R-R-U-S. Again, I am K Sirius on Instagram, and we really appreciate you guys. Yeah. 
So we'll see you in a couple days. Absolutely. Stick around. Heat ball Let's on watch Thursday. Some heat ba- Let's watch some heat ball on Thursday. Let's watch some NBA ball because Absolutely, we're all man. basketball junkies at the end of the day. Absolutely. The so, season is finally here, JJ. It's finally here. Well, it's been a while. I feel like I have been waiting for years for this. So thank you for listening. See you next week. See you. Excuse me. See you in a couple days. Bye bye. Oh, man. We're two times a week now, JJ. Two times a week. Yeah. <laughs>